Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. It's uh, 10 October, and this is episode 58. I wasn't going to do a show, but I said, what the heck? Uh, especially because I know tomorrow, I get, yeah, tomorrow is the uh, AUSA, Association of the United States Army uh, Conference in, in Washington, D.C. It's a big event. It happens every October. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday up in D.C. And I think they're going to release uh, FM30, which is multi-domain operations. It's going to be the law of the land. And I think they're going to talk about future vertical lift in the FLRAA uh, contract between Bell and Boeing, Sikorsky, Lockheed Martin. So if that's true, I kind of wanted to get ahead of it. So I was, I was going to talk a little bit about that today tonight whatever and a couple other things so might as well just kick it off um we're still on twitter believe it or not uh at defense underscore podcast if you can find the time uh check us out on twitter in fact i did my first poll on twitter i had to look at youtube to figure out how to do it and i did a poll of uh if, if you could choose between if you could choose the fl uh future long-range solid aircraft contract who would you choose bell or boeing lockheed sikorsky and uh of course nobody follows me on twitter so i've only got 15 uh votes on it but it's not i don't know anyway i'll tell you toward the end there what the what the latest greatest on that is but we'll kick off with f-35 uh you know we've been kind of following this the f-35 was uh they couldn't deliver anymore because of a Chinese part. And there was a statement today from the Undersecretary of Defense, Dr. LaPlante, uh, Bill LaPlante, William LaPlante, whatever you want to call him. It's immediate release October 8th. And that was, shoot, that was two days ago. Of course, it is 1.57 a.m., so it was kind of two days ago. A uh, statement by the Undersecretary of Defense for acquisition and sustainment. Of course, he's Dr. William LaPlante. On the F-35 waiver, dated 8 October. Uh, today, this is him. Today, I signed the National Security Waiver that allows DOD to accept Lot 13 and Lot 14 F-35 aircraft containing non-compliant specialty metals and Honeywell integrated power package turbo machines. Acceptance of the aircraft is necessary for national security interest. This determination applies to a total of 126 F-35 aircraft awaiting delivery or to be delivered under Lot 12 through 14 production contract. <clears throat> Excuse me. This determination applies from the date of my approval through the acceptance, acceptance date of the last aircraft delivered under that contract, which is currently projected for 31 October 2023. So that's the statement, official statement from Dr. LaPlante. Close that out. And then there was an article from, ah, where is it, man? Well, stand by. There it is. 
from 7 October from Valerie Encina, who we've done stuff from her before. This is Breaking Defense, of course, and her article is Pentagon Approves Waiver to Restart F-35 Delivers. Now, the meat and potatoes you just got from Dr. LaPlante, you know, uh, the number of aircraft is, I can't remember now. Ah, shoot. I just had it. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, 126 F-35s, and it's lots 12 through 14. And, of course, Valerie, being a good reporter that she is, does kind of goes into a little more detail. She kind of gives us some background. Uh, DOD halted F-35 deliveries on 31 October after Honeywell, the maker of the F-35's turbo machine, which helps provide power needed to restart, to, I'm sorry, to start the engine, disclosed that a supplier for the turbo machine's lube pumps had magnets containing cobalt and samarium alloys from China, which is a no-no. Um, of course, uh, she kind of kind of sums up Dr. LaPlante about how many aircraft, 126, and what lots they are. And what I found interesting is that there are, where is it at? Lockheed's contract with, who makes the F-35, Lockheed's contract with U.S. government stipulates that requirements that are passed from Lockheed to second-tier suppliers and then from those subcontractors to third-tier suppliers and so, so forth for the 1,900 companies within the F-35 supply chain. 1,900 companies. That's a, that's a lot. Very complex machine, obviously. Uh, and then there's a there's some stuff from uh, Fort Worth where they make it. Uh, Greg Ulmer, who's the head of Lockheed Aeronautics Business, told Breaking Defense in a September 9th, 19th interview that although F-35 deliveries have been suspended for more than one month, production has kept going at Lockheed's Mile Line, Mile Line facility at Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, the workflow within F-35 system is unchanged all the way through flying and accepting the aircraft. We're just not delivering the aircraft. So if you were in Fort Worth today, you'd see airplanes launching and recovering. So that's it. F-35s are now legal in 50 again. And we've been following that. So I guess we could kind of close the book on that, that subject there. I'll pause right here. Okay, the next story we're going to talk about real quick is from Defense News. It's from the great Jen Judson. Always enjoy her work. And the title is U.S. Army on Track to Field 24 Systems in FY23 and Bid for a Modern Force. Of course, FY23 started 1 October, just a few days ago. And I think both, a lot of the defense magazines have been reporting. I think the Army chief last year said that we're going to get 24 or 25 systems in the hands of soldiers. Excuse me, in FY23. And here's FY23. So they've got, you know, what's today? 10 October, they've got 355 days, more or less. So the story goes, uh, the 24 key systems slated for fielding in FY23 are part of a total group of 35, 31 plus 4, whatever you want to call it, uh, part of Army modernization. Um, so these 35, the Army wants to get the troops' hands by 2030, and when it would then declare the service a fully modernized force. I don't know if they're going to make 2030, but uh, anyway, we're, we're keeping going here. Um, leading the charge for the Army is uh, Austin, Texas-based Army Futures Command. AFC, they just got a new CG, uh, Commanding General. And so progress is generally going very well. Army Secretary Christine Warmoth told Defense News in a recent interview at the Pentagon, given that we have 24 systems in one year that we're either trying to field 
or trying to get prototypes in the hands of soldiers. We may hit some bumps in the road along the way. I think that's to be expected. She's right. It's to be expected. Uh, the rapid schedule has required the Army to move more quickly through the development process, which uh, General James McConville, who is Army Chief of Staff, acknowledged to the Defense News is a risk. Let's see. But the service is continuing, continuously getting prototypes in the hands of soldiers along the way, which the Army calls touch points or soldier touch points, whatever you want to call them. Those are my words, not the articles, of course. Uh, let's see. McConville also says we've, we've got it pretty right. The war is showing, for example, talking about Ukraine and Russia, obviously. Nor, the Army's number one priority, which is long-range precision fires and capabilities with that, within that port, portfolio, like the hypersonic weapons with a range of 1,700 kilometers, precision strike missile with a range of 500 kilometers, and ship-killing mid-range capable missile will be needed, would be needed against a near-peer adversary like Russia or China. He's right about that. Of course, that is the Army's number one priority is long-range precision fires. So now Jen does a good job, and she's going down. She titles a little sub-paragraph called Coming Soon, and we'll start with that. So long-range precision fires equipment is expected to hit several key milestones in FY23. She talks about hypersonic missiles will be fielded at the first unit at the very end of the FY after two major flight tests using Army ground-based launch capability. Uh, So end of FY is... September of, of 23. Moving on, the Army plans to deliver the first increment of the precision strike missile, which can reach 500 kilometers in range. It will later be upgraded with a ship-killing capability and increased range and lethality. I think that precision strike missile is going to replace the attackums on the HIMARS and MLRS. I think we talked about that last episode. Moving on. Mid-range capability missile meant to pursue moving tar- maritime targets will be also be fielded in this FY, just two years after the Army said it would seek the capability. In November 2020, the Army chose Lockheed Martin to integrate the Navy's SM-6 and Tomahawk missiles with the Launcher and Battery Operations Center to create an MRC, which is mid-range capability prototype. Uh, moving on, now we're getting to IRCA, Extended Range Cannon Artillery, with the M109, of course, that will increase cannon range to 70 kilometers. The service is building 18 prototypes. The first battalion uh, consisting of these prototypes will be delivered in FY23. Now we're getting to vehicles here. Next-gen combat vehicle portfolio has already, man- has already managed to achieve first contact with soldiers. And then she talks about the AMP-V, the Army Multi-Purpose Vehicle, which will replace 113s, conduct, completed an operational test earlier this year and is slated for full rate production decision this FY. So full rate this year, potentially. And we know that unit that did the operational test is 2nd Brigade, 3rd Infantry Division, because we talked about it last episode. Out of Fort Stewart. I think they call themselves the Spartan Brigade. Uh, let's see. Moving right along. Uh, this summer, we talked about this. The Army chose General Dynamics Land Systems to build the mobile protective firepower. And a unit at Fort Hood earlier this year helped evaluate light robotic combat vehicle, RCV light, prototypes. So there's two more there. Uh, while manned future vertical lift capabilities will come later, the service plans to field air environment Arcturus Jump 20 unmanned aircraft system meant to fill an urgent need for the future tactical UAS to replace the Shadow. UAS this FY. So the Shadow UAS is something used at brigade level. 
Uh, they want to replace it. Right now they're using an interim system called uh, Arc- Arcturus Jump 20. Excuse me, while they look at other stuff, apparently. Okay, directed in- moving moving on. A directed energy short short range uh, air defense capabilities due to be fielded to an army unit potentially in the first quarter of FY23. Yep, that's that DEM Shorad with the 50 kilowatt laser. Uh, she's moving on. So we get to the Army's integrated battle command system intended to link sensors and shooters on the battlefield is in the middle is in the midst of an uh, initial operation test and evaluation ahead of full rate production decision this FY. So those guys are moving out on that. Uh, of course, you know, operational tests and evaluation, o, uh, OT&E, I think it's called, or IOT&E. Anyway, it's where they put the system in the hands of soldiers in the in the operating environment that it's intended to be used. And that's why those are super important. And that's kind of like the make or break. If it does well in those tests, then, you know, um, usually I think they're in LRIP when they're, when they're doing those uh, IOT&E, which means they're going to make, I don't know, a small amount and they IOT and E in them. And then if it does really well, then they go to full rate production and then the game is on then. Um, but anyway, moving on uh, lower tier air and missile defense sensor will serve as a radar on the army's future integrated air and missile defense system. Congress had man- has mandated that the army field a L a LTA MDS battalion of four sensors by December 23. But the Army wants to do it by the end of the FY, which is September 23. Uh, moving on, the Army is also building a robust synthetic training environment. We kind of talked about that in a previous episode. And plans to deliver to soldiers in FY23 the reconfigurable virtual collective trainer, the IVAS squad immersive virtual trainer. Hmm. There's that word IVAS. And one world train. Uh, training management tools and training simulation software. So I'm going to give you a quick count of everything we just talked about. Stand by. So I counted out of that about 14 or 15 systems that of the, what's the number? 24. Of the 24, she just listed about 14 or 15. So did a good job too. Very easy to understand. Put them in nice little categories. Again, Jen Judson, if you ever go to Defense News, anything she writes is fantastic. And then she ends the article with new leadership, where she kind of reiterates that on a 4 October, um, General James Rainey took over as the AFC commanding general. And let's see, Warmoth, uh, Secretary Warmoth said, Rainey's top priority will be making sure that we are able to deliver, uh, of course, working with the acquisition team, 24 systems and 23. See how she said that? Warmoth, who's the SEC Army, who's the boss, said, warm, uh, Rainey's top priority, we're making sure that we're able to deliver, of course, working with the acquisition team, the 24 systems in 23. I like that, 24 systems in 23. But remember, Rainey, the only thing Rainey does, he does concepts, he does force mod, uh, modernization, and he does requirements. It's up to the Honorable Doug Bush. He is the acquisition guy that delivers. Uh, Rainey does the requirements, the, con- the concepts and the requirements and the experimentation. And Mr. Bush does the delivery in conjunction with, with Rainey's team, no question about it, and the budget people, of course. Um, do, have I gone enough on that? I think I have. All right, I'll pause right here.
All right, so we're at 15 minutes. Now, the rest of this program, we're going to talk about the future long-range assault aircraft, which is part of the FBL Future Vertical Lift, who's being run out of the CFT, the cross-functional team, out of Redstone. And I guess in a just a quick way to replace, um, yeah, I guess you could call it a Blackhawk replacement. Um, I think they're going to announce, they, the Army, is going to announce the winner. And we know it's between Bell Helicopter, who has the tilt rotor, and then the Boeing Sikorsky Lockheed Martin that has, I don't know how you describe it. Um, They have their aircraft. Anyway, I was looking at the defense sites as normal, and I noticed that Bell had an article uh, in Breaking Defense. It's it's a sponsored article, and it says... this is from October 7th. Bell's V-28 Valor is a standalone choice for FLRAA Flara. I'll call it Flara, okay? Uh, how do I rate this? Flara as on the uh, acronym rate Flara. I'll give it a two, solid two. So and so I read the article. It's a really good article. I'm, I'm going to cover the article. In other words, I'm going to read the article and give them time. And then I found another article on um, the Defiant X. That's so the V the V V two eighty Valor is Bell's. That's the one that's in the the October seventh breaking defense. And I looked around, and if you go to the website for Bell, they do a good job of pitching their their wares, so to speak. So I said, well, let me go look at Boeing and Lockheed and and Sikorsky and. They don't do a good a job to me as 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 Bell. In other words, I had to look for it. Um, but I did find an article written by uh, a pilot or a former pilot named Amber Smith on 27, where she gives Flora Defiant X, let's get the Army with the best. So I'm going to read something from her article. That way it's equal time. I'll read the one from Breaking Defense, and I'll read the one from Real Clear Defense. Uh, before I get to that, might as well talk about what the – what the future long-range assault aircraft is. And this is right from the Army's website, from PEO Aviation and Future Vertical Lift. Um, real quick, okay, uh, let's see. The Army's Army Aviation vision for MDO, multi-domain operations, requires next-generation vertical lift capabilities that can deter, fight, and win as part of a joint force. Uh, future Vertical Lift has been a DOD initiative from 2000, not since 2009. Um, let's see. Flora will provide joint force with an aircraft possessing in- increased range, speed, uh, survivability, and maneuverability to allow the Army to retain overmatch against enemy forces in ever-changing environments. It will provide power projection from relative sanctuary with increased range, speed, mobility, and payload capabilities over current and U.S. Special Operations Command SOCOM aircraft. Let's see. The Army Combat Aviation Brigade will fill this capability in 2030. And they've got a picture of a SB Defiant. And they got a picture of the Bell Valor, uh, V280 Valor. And that's from the Army website, api.army.mil. Now I found, I tried to find the requirements. I thought I found them once. Sometimes they release those requirements on sam.gov and you can find them. It's free site. It's kind of, you know, just... Gives you an idea of what the Army is looking for. It's a contractor site. 
somebody named Joseph Trewick, Trevick, I can't say his name, sir, I'm sorry, uh, from the website Warzone, which is pretty good. They wrote an article way back in, man, I can't find the date. Sorry about that, folks. I can't find the date. But anyway, somehow they got their hands on the requirements, probably from Sam.gov or wherever. And I'm going to kind of read you what it says. Uh, the Army's PEO for Aviation has issued a request for information, RFI, regarding the services, what the service formerly calls a future long-range assault aircraft, FLARA, on 4 April 2019. So this is them releasing their kind of RFI. Um So if the Army keeps a proposed schedule, it award a contract for the rotorcraft, which is, could be an advanced compound helicopter, which is the Sikorsky uh, Defiant or tilt rotor design, which is the Bell, in late 2021. We know that's now late 2022 uh, because now. I mean, that's late 2021 was about a year ago. Uh, the plan is to have the selected aircraft make its first flight in 2024. And the first fully operational unit FUE six years after that in 2030 there is no purchase order present but the service does have more than 2,000 UH-60s across all active duty units the Army Reserve and, and the Guard so here we go here's some kind of requirements the Army wants the Florida to have a top speed of 250 I think that's threshold or no more than 285 I'm sorry 250 knots or 285 miles an hour potentially up to 280 knots or more than 320 miles an hour. So remember, you always got threshold and objective. So 250 knots would be threshold, and then 280 would be objective. It means that's what threshold is like minimum that they got to get. It's a minimum. And then objective is like if you can get it, that's great. So 250, 280. Uh, the maximum speed of the Blackhawk, the UH-60 Mike, is still under 200 miles per hour. Uh, the Flora should have an un refueled combat radius of 200 nautical miles probably threshold and then over possibly over 300 nautical miles would be um objective and then threshold for maximum range for self-deploy is 1725 nautical miles that's a long way while objective goal is 22440 uh let's see the final design should be uh, accommodate 12 passengers in crash resistant seats up to 4,000 pounds of cargo or a combination of both. It should have an external cargo hook able to lug at least 10,000 pounds. That's probably threshold and 13,100 objective. And a couple more stuff and I'll be done here. So the floor should be able to operate in so-called high and hot environments. The rotorcraft must retain 95% of normal power to the rotors, even at altitudes up to 6,000 feet and in temperatures up to 95 degrees Fahrenheit while carrying 12 passengers and enough fuel to climb for a combat readiness of 120 nautical miles and perform 500 feet per minute climb out of the landing zone. If possible, the service wants to design to lose no power under all these conditions. And it goes into some other stuff. Uh, the flower is supposed to have a 50 year long service life uh, with future upgrades to increase capability and maintain relevancy. The service has a target average unit price for the Flora designed at $43 million a piece at $2,018. Now, the Blackhawk's been around since like 80. I mean, the Blackhawk was in Grenada back in 82. Was Grenada 82 or 83? Man, I can't remember. 
I remember it was about the same time as the Falklands. I should know that, man. How do, how do I not know when Grenada is? I think it was 83. Yeah, Grenada was 83, so it was 40 years ago. So the Blackhawks been around at least 40 years and doing good. I mean, there's countries that are buying Blackhawk, Blackhawk left and right. Um, so that's about the that's kind of the one over the world that at uh, I spent nine minutes on that, maybe too long. So let me get to these articles. Which one should I start with? I'll start with the uh, Bell one. This is from Breaking Defense. This is a sponsored post, you know, to be fair, sponsored post. Bell V280 Valor is the standalone choice for Flora to deter the threat. I don't want to get into all that. Uh, let's see. Okay, the Bell 280, the Bell V280 Valor for the future for the Army's Flora program for future vertical lift. Uh, they have designed it to have demonstrated performance for every key attribute related to speed, range, and agility, as well as cost, schedule, and performance. Uh, these are facts-based, irrefutable points as to the all-around superiority of Bell's air assault tilt rotor to keep Army aviation speed and range capabilities on par with its other service partners in the joint all-domain flight. I think they're probably, you know, with that little on par with his other service partners. They're probably talking about the uh, Osprey, but I'm reading into it, of course. Uh, and then it says V280 Valor paces threat with superior range, speed, and agility. The tilt rotor, which is their version, is the best flower solution to fulfill the Army's performance and affordability needs. Low speed agility, long range cruise, 305 knot, high speed flight, spling load performance, fast rope deployment, and mission system integration were all proven out over three years and 215 flight testing, 215 hours of flight testing across an expensive flight regime. Uh, the tilt rotor speed is truly remarkable. By comparison, the demonstrated top speed is almost 60 knots faster than any competing technology, i.e., the other guys. Uh, this extra speed translating translates into battlefield mission flexibility, greater range for accessing global challenges, and stuff like that. Um, while the V280 presents a slightly wider footprint than the Blackhawk, it also enables the V280 to be more than 20% shorter while, importantly, lacking exposed rotors on the leading and trailing edge of that footprint. The footprint provides landing zone flexibility and improves soldier safety 360 degrees around the aircraft, which is unique to the V280 configuration. While routine tilting of prop rotors... Actions in and out of the landing zone do not require any clutching or declutching mechanisms of complex propulsors. Let's see. Tilt rotor maturity has arrived to the point where it is a known technology with decades of risk reduction earned on fully operational fleet of aircraft. Not a few prototypes with very modest amount of hours flown over a similar period of time. While the competitors somewhat derisively well, now I think you're getting personal here. So when a competitor says somewhat derisively that the V280 beats them in a drag race, they're making an argument for Bell, admitting their own prototype is significantly slower than the V280. Do you think that's what soldiers flying in harm's way wants to hear? Speed is always better. No military commander asks for less capability. Um, let's see. For aircraft agility, the V280 busts the myth and misdirection that tilt rotors lack the needed agility. Uh, Bell has flight test evidence proving level one at, at, attitude 
quickness and the low speed regime using its triple redundant fly-by-wire system with five separate army pilots having flown numerous flights the army firsthand has firsthand information as what the v-280 can handle in known and unknown mission challenges should i keep going here uh team valor gives soldiers speed and range as proven over two decades of global military operations by v-22 osprey without sacrificing the agility that the army has in its current wing current rotary wing fleet and low speed environment it's not an extrapolated extrapolated model or guess it's all proven out and the advanced tilt rudder design has been refined by every lesson learned through real world outside of a lab experience this is a long article man <sighs> uh let's see A couple more things and I'll move on. So what Bell did with the V-280 Valor was to evolve tilt rotor configuration to a fighting machine designed specifically for the Army Air Assault, for the Army Air Assault and utility missions in contested environments and to be maintainable in the field, said Carl Coffin, Vice President, Future Vertical Lift Strategy at Bell. Um, it's well known that cost drivers on rotorcraft are blades and gearboxes. Those are the ones that you want to be able to control and manage with the V280 and aircraft spins 85% of the time flying at high speed, leveraging its fixed wing. Those cost drivers are significantly minimized. I'm going to go right to the conclusion. And this is their last paragraph. Uh, the V280 Valor delivers with high predictability the performance attributes necessary for Army aviation to ex execute its air assault mission to keep pace with DOD partners' capability and enable our nation's warfighters to maintain competitive dominance in the global geopolitical environment over decades to come from the team that has proven its capability to deliver. So that's kind of, it's kind of a long article. They're giving their best uh, foot forward. Um, and they got some pretty good arguments in there. And I don't know. That's it. That's Bell. So if you can find it yourself, Bell 280 Valor is a standalone choice for Flora. Now, to give equal time, like I said, Boeing, Sikorsky, Lockheed really didn't go out of their way. I, if they did, I couldn't find it. But anyway, I found this article almost by accident. And it's from Real Clear Defense. And the date is 27 September by Amber Smith. And see if anything about Amber. Maybe sometimes they put here you go. Amber Smith is a best-selling author of Danger Close, former deputy assistant to the Secretary of Defense and U.S. Army Kiowa helicopter pilot and air mission commander with deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. And she has a website, officialambersmith.com. You can follow her on Twitter and blah blah blah. Um, so this is from Real Clear Defense. The title is On Flora Defiant X. Let's get the Army. Let's Let's Army get the best while living within its means. Okay, I, I screwed that up. So the name, the name of the article is On Flora, Defiant X, Let's Army Get the Best While Living Within Its Means. All right, there's the article title. Um, as the decision for Flora looms closer, the Army has a generational opportunity to select the advanced vertical lift aircraft that's a true game cha gamer changer for the aviation mission. Uh, of the two offerings in the consideration, Lockheed, Boeing, Defiant X, and Bell's 280 Valor, without question, Defiant X's increased speed, range, survivability, and maneuverability give Army pilots and ground commanders what's needed to succeed in multi-domain operations 
against continuously advancing enemies. But critically, Define X also gives the capability to accomplish these difficult missions within a constrained budget. Uh, choose Define X lets Army avoid reinventing the wheel. Define X shares, shares physical similarities to the Army's current workhorse, the UH-60 Blackhawk. Um, ramp and hangar space for Blackhawks is already baked into Army bases across the globe. These spaces can be easily repurposed for Define X, given the comparable size and rotor diameter. Similarly, the Blackhawks' existing maintenance, support, and training infrastructure are highly transferable to the Defiant, would save Army time and money. Maintainers who are familiar with the existing maintenance, support, and infrastructure. Uh, soldiers and service members who previously trained on Blackhawks will appreciate the recognizable interior seating space. Critically, pilots training on Defiant X only have to learn the peculiarities. I can't say that word. My teeth are bucked, so that's why I talk funny. Anyway, uh, flying a new helicopter. Uh, not so with 280V, not so with the 2V80. Uh, with so much larger airframe, they will have to start an extended flight training program to learn how to fly the new aircraft. It's so both, it's so th itself both a new fixed and tilt rotor aircraft. Uh, Bell V280 is a looking glass in the V22 Osprey, and that's a bad thing. Defiance competitor for the FLAR is Bell's V280 Valor. is merely a looking glass to the V22 Osprey, an aircraft that's been plagued with safety problems and readiness issues for decades. Uh, like the V22, the V280 would be almost certainly be a nightmare for safety, affordability, and maintenance. Wow, pulling the knives out here. She talks about deaths of uh, catastrophic uh, crashes, uh, deaths of Marines in 2022. I'm not going to get into all that. Um, pulling out the knives there. So uh, financially, there's no comparison. Army needs to learn from aviation. The Army needs must learn from aviation acquisition mistakes of the past. Um, leaders must be realistic about budget-constrained environment in which they now operate. The reality is the Army cannot afford to build brand-new customized maintenance, training, hangar, and ramp infrastructure all over the world. Uh, these costs are a feature, not a bug, of the V-280. Uh, V-22 costs are estimated 10000 per flight hours compared to cost of two to 4000 per flight hour for the mechanically simpler Blackhawk. She's almost done here. Uh, with the focus on budget mission capabilities from all from the highest likelihood of success, the Define X is the right choice for the Army. With six this high, the Army needs a game changer, not a modernized version of an Osprey. And I'll give the last, I'm going to skip right to the bottom, or last paragraph. Even with tight fiscal requirements, our warfighters deserve the best equipment to operate in increasingly challenge, challenging environments and accomplish mission requirements. With the Defiant X, the Army gets both. So where are we at on time? 34 minutes. Man, I busted 30 again. So that's it. I think I was kind of fair. Um, you know, the the Bell V280 Valor is selling their speed and agility um, and their track record with the V22. And Mrs. Amber Smith is saying that the, the mechanics and the pilots will be more used to the uh, Defiant X and it's and it's probably safer and more familiar than than the Bell uh, than the V280. So that's her argument. And that's it. I gave them both equal time. We'll find out. Hopefully, we'll find out this week. And when you get to my poll, 
I did a poll on Twitter, my first ever poll, and basically I said, which would you choose? Would you choose the the uh, Defiant X or would you choose a V280? And I tried to you know, pick the same picture and not make one bigger than the other. I tried to be as equal as I could. Again, it was not easy. And I put it up there and I did it for 48 hours. I think I was like six hours left on it. And so far, I only had 15 people react to it. And I think it's like 60-40. V280 Valor, 60-40. If you give me a second, I'll look for it. Stand by. Let me find it. Yeah, I pulled it up. I got 15 votes. It's 66.7 to 33.3. V280 Valor is in the lead. There's nine hours left. If you want to vote, go to um, go to at defense underscore podcast and You'll probably find it there. I hope you'll find it there. And go ahead and vote, man. Tell me what you think. Or don't tell me what you think. It's up to you. All right, that's it. A little bit long. I didn't want to go that long. I hope I didn't bore the heck out of everybody. But I wanted to give equal time to both uh, the Valor and the Defiant. So see what happens this week. Anyway, that's pretty much it. This is episode 58. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Stick around. Keep looking back because they're having the AUSA this week, and hopefully I can do some decent podcasts on what comes out of that. Um, Anyway, that's it. Thank you for tuning in, and good night.